How many of you like to be lied to? I didn't see any hands. Oh, wow. And we're in the series called uh, The Lies We Listen To um, because we want to take some time to expose lies like you are useless, worthless, hopeless. Um, and we're going to continue the series. We've got another week of this that, uh, that we're walking through. Before I jump into the message today, as you walked in, you were given a card. Um, if, you, if you weren't given one of these cards, you're at the connection uh, desk. It's also up here. Um, we are in two weeks. We're going to launch into a series that we're going to walk through. It, it, it series is called Lent, but it's through a season of Lent. Maybe you have participated in something along the lines uh, uh, with Lent. Maybe you've uh, leaned into that season a little bit. Maybe you've never heard of this before, or it's a foreign concept. What Lent is, is this. It is a season where we purposefully sacrifice, give something up in order to draw near to God, to lean into God. Uh, it's, it's something that, that the Catholic Church does a lot. The Protestant Church kind of moved away from it. But there's so much value in sacrifice and fasting and giving up in, 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 in uh, uh, doing anything we can to draw close to God. So our heart and our prayer is this. Will you, with us, take time to draw closer to God? by giving up, by sacrificing. That's what this, is, this will be about, February 19th. Pastor Rob's gonna launch this series. He'll explain more what it is, but I'm, I'm saying it now to get you to prepare, to think, what can I do? What can me and my family, how, do we, how will we participate in this season as it builds up? Lent is a season that builds up to the greatest event in our calendar year, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Easter. How great would it be if we all took time this season to be purposefully growing closer to God, and as we hit Easter together, I believe we're gonna see God do some incredible things. Not only are we gonna do this as a sermon series, but we don't want you to do Lent alone. On the back of this card, there's a QR code. We want every single person in, in this room, everybody who calls BCA home, whether you're watching online, somehow, in some way, shape, or form, we want you to find a community to do Lent together with. We have community groups that we're going to be launching. We are opening up some of our, our home groups to, uh, to be part of this. But on February 19th, immediately following this service, we're going to be doing a lunch. If you're not in a group, come to this lunch. Find a group. We're going to help you get into that group. There's a free, free lunch, by the way, so that's a good thing. Um, and if you play your cards right, if you're a member, you get lunch like uh, two weeks in a row or something like that. And so, wow, the church will feed you. Um, but come and be part of this because we don't want you to Lent alone. And groups are going to participate and, and together keep each other encouraged as we do Lent together. So that starts February 19th. You can use a QR code to let us know you're coming, to pre-register. Um, not required, but, but we, we ask you to do something. Whether or not you can be in a group, just do something in this season to give up, to draw closer to God. That's Lent. Hang on to that. You'll hear more about it in the coming weeks. Pastor Rob is uh, on vacation this week. He's down in Arizona in the sunshine. I'm a little jealous because we don't really have that. Uh, he's down visiting his son in the sunshine. So uh, it's, uh, keep him in your prayers. It's, he's, just, he's having a rough time in the sunshine. No, no, he's, he'll be back next week, but uh, love our pastor, love our leader. Uh, we're going to continue in this series that he started, uh, uh, looking closer at some of the lies that we listen to. Some very, very destructive lies. Lies like you are hopeless, you are useless, you are powerless. Uh, lies that many people believe, and it destroys their lives. These lies are very deadly. Today, we're going to tackle the lie that I am worthless I get an opportunity to share with you right off the bat, you're not. Let me say that again. You're not. 
no matter what the enemy has told you, you're not worthless. See, a lot of these lies have destroyed and they bring up some deep stuff within us. I want to tell you this. If, if we go through this series and stuff has come up and it's, it's difficult, we want to travel this road of healing with you. You're not alone. Reach out to us. We want to pray with you. We want to surround you. We want to cover you and walk down this journey with you. It's very real stuff we're dealing with. As pastoral staff, we're not certified counselors. We guide people in the word of God, but we know certified counselors who can help you walk this road to healing. Just reach out to us on this journey. And we want you to know our hope and our prayers that we all listen to the voice of truth who will help us in all of this. We're talking about the lie that we are worthless. Have any of you, have, do you, any of you ever found something in your house that you thought was useless, that you thought was worthless, and then you come to find out later that it has great value? Anyone ever been there? I like, I, there are times when I'm like, I, I want to dig through a closet and find this one thing that I'm like, this could be garbage, but no, it's worth a billion dollars. Come on, you want to find that, don't you? You go to garage sales hoping they sell us something for a dollar that you know, oh, that's worth a hundred. Right? Come on, we're all there. We watch shows like American Pickers. Anyone watch that show? Um, I haven't watched it a ton, but it is fascinating because they'll go in these old barns and find these uh, just run-down signs and, and garbage. Garbage. And we find out through the course of the show that that's worth thousands. Like, they, they know what they're looking for. Uh, there's shows like Antique Roadshow, and there's so many others of them out there. But there's just, there's so many things in life that we've marked as junk that in the right eyes, when you look at it in the right way, we realize it's worth, worth hundreds, worth thousands. I have these things in our, in our house. Um, this is where Pastor Adam plays with toys. You ready? I'm still a kid at heart, and I'll never lose that. Um, we have these little toys at home. Aren't they cute? Say, say aww. This is a little rabbit toy I bought at Disney World for like $9, $10. Um, it, it, it's it part of a whole set, which, which we have, have uh, these things. And um, I bought it for like $9. And you're like, it's just a little stuffy, right? Did, did you know this little thing right now is probably worth $150? Like, it's a stuffed animal, right? The whole set is worth six dollars to $700 going on eBay uh, and, and uh, Marketplace for things like that. These little stuffed animals that sit in my daughter's room. And my kids say, please, Dad, let's sell them. I'm like, no way. They're way valuable, more valuable than that to me. Um, but you have these things in your home that other people would say, ah, just throw it in with the stuffed animal pile. Like, no way. That's worth money. There's a lot of things in life that other people say is trash. But we, uh, if you see it in the right way, we realize it's treasure. There's a lot of stuff in our house. And it's one thing when we do this with, with stuff, right, with stuffed animals, with antiques. It's a whole nother thing when we look in the mirror and all we see is trash. It's a whole nother thing when you look in the mirror and all you see is worthless. That is a lie of the enemy. This lie is so detrimental. It's so effective that it traps us in these places where we begin a personal narrative that we're worthless. And listen to me. I don't care how long you serve Jesus. I don't care how, how, how many years you followed him, how many years you've attended church, whether it's a hundred or just you don't even follow Jesus yet. We all have times where we struggle with this lie. We all have times when, when we struggle with this lie. Worthlessness is this. It's the state of being unimportant or useless. It's closely tied with words like guilt and shame. Because of what I've done, nobody can love me because of what I look like, because of what I have or what I don't have, 
nobody will love me, thus I am useless. It comes, it comes to us in many forms. It comes to us in, in many paths and many venues. One of the most deadly is this, is this word called comparison. We look at somebody else and say they may have value, but I'm not like them, so I don't. That's why things like social media are so deadly, because we begin to compare. And when we compare, we almost always come up a loser, because there's always somebody. These the ideas of, of worthlessness. This is the lie that we're going to attack head on in my message today. This is the lie that so many, maybe there's people who walked in this room who are trapped in this lie. I want you to know I've been praying for you and I believe that today is your day for freedom as we look at the truth in the word of God. My main point, sermon in a sentence, if you wanna say it that way, is this. Your value is found in Christ alone, not what other people say about you. Not what your friends at school say about you. Not what your, your coworkers say about you. Not, not what your your parents may have said about you. Your value is not found in those things. Your value is found in Christ alone. You need to understand this. We're gonna jump into Genesis chapter three. It's a, it's a scripture that I've preached on even here once or twice before. But what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at the lie and the strategy of the enemy on how he wants to destroy you and keep you there. And we're gonna compare that with the power of God and how he wants to set you free. If you have your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look how Adam and Eve struggled through this. But before we read, would you bow with me as we pray? Lord, help us as we dig into your word. Speak to us with your truth. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the truth in your word would set us free from the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve in the garden. Here's what it says. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Eve, Eve responds, of course we may eat it from the true, from the, eat, I'll try that again, eat fruit from the trees in the garden. There it is. The woman replied, it is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it, and if you do, you will die. What is Satan's immediate response? You won't die. We get a strategy there. We gotta catch that. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Here is the strategy of the enemy of your soul. He comes at you with these lies, and he wants to trap you there. What do we see from this strategy? It's important to study the tactics of our enemy so we know and we can recognize a lie when it's said. It, it, look what Satan does. Look at his strategy. Number one, right off the bat, what does Satan do? He attacks the truth. He goes right after the truth. He wastes no time. 
right after, you won't die, he says to, to Adam and Eve. When she just said that that's what God said. He's like, no, 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 you won't die. Lies. Now you look at that and go, well, they ate and they didn't die. Well, what's greater than physical death is spiritual death. And the Bible tells us in, in, in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. That is the truth. So what is Satan doing? Boldfaced right at it. He is lying. But Satan doesn't always just straight up tell a lie that's right in the complete opposite. Sometimes his strategy is to tell half-truths. Sometimes his strategy is to twist the truth just a little bit or to not look at a part of a truth. He says this, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. What he's doing is he's twisting this truth. He's saying, what's happening here, Eve, Adam, is that God is withholding something really good from you, and you don't have it yet. If you eat this, your eyes will be opened, and you'll have all great wisdom. Phenomenal cosmic powers. You'll have all the great wisdom, all the good stuff. And you see he's twisting the truth to the good side of wisdom and completely not talking about what happens when we also see evil now. He doesn't talk about that side. How do we know? What Eve says is it says she wanted it. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. It looked good. What Satan was doing was twisting the truth to get her to see, oh, just just one bite's not going to hurt anything. Just one bite won't hurt anybody. They wanted the wisdom. And if, I, if you eat it, you'll know all this stuff. You'll get it. Satan comes at us and he attacks the truth right off with a flat-out lie and sometimes with twisted truth or half-truths. It's a strategy. He comes right at it. What does he do secondly? Secondly, he convinces us. Listen, I'm not saying Adam and Eve. I'm saying us. Notice us. We're in this, in the same boat. He convinces us to act on that lie. He convinces us, because just merely listening to a lie isn't a sin. It becomes a sin when we begin to believe it or take the next step to act on it. When it becomes that inner voice that gets repeated over and over. Adam and Eve, the Bible tells us that they took the fruit and they ate it. And that was the beginning of the slippery slope. That was the first step. I heard the lie and it sounds convincing. And I really want that thing. What, the, what Satan will do to you is say, hey, just one time won't hurt you. Just one time looking at that website is not going to hurt. You can turn it off when you're done. Just, just one time, just one thing, one try of that, one, 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 one sip of that, one, just, just, just one thought. That's, that's all. It's not a big deal. Everybody does it. It'll be good. You really want it. He says these things accompanied with a lie, convincing us to act on that lie. And then number three, he imprisons us in that lie with shame. When they ate, what does the Bible tell us? Their eyes were opened, and they suddenly, for the first time ever, felt shame for their nakedness. They saw the evil. They saw, they, they saw within themselves what they, what they brought in. They, the enemy now, once he gets you to take that step, the next step to get you to trap there is now he says, listen, you did it. 
No one will ever love you now. You're scarred. You're useless. You're garbage. You have no value. God can never love you. God, 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 God can, can never look at you the same because you sinned. You're a sinner. And it begins to repeat this over and over to us. You're nothing. You're worthless. You're useless. And what happens is we begin to repeat that to ourselves. He just got to put the seed out there. And now we start to look in the mirror and go, you got nothing to bring to the table. In fact, maybe some of you are here, you like, you said this, and I've talked to people who says, I can't even come to church. God will strike me dead because if you guys knew what I did. If you knew, I, I've talked to so many people in their lives who said, if you just knew what I did. And, 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 I, and my, my response in my heart, and I don't always say it this way, my response in my heart is, it doesn't matter because I've done stuff too. But what the enemy wants you to believe is that you did it, God can never love you, and everybody will look at you differently now. You are worthless. That is why the lie of worthlessness is so detrimental. It will trap you in the sin. And what do we immediately do? What do we do when, when, when we feel worthless, worthless and useless and hopeless and powerless? We try everything we can to go into hiding. I don't want anyone to know. I want to cover it up. I want to delete my history and my browsing history. I, I, I want no one to know what, where I've been, what I've done. I, I won't even go to church anymore. I won't talk to anybody. I want to keep it hidden. I put my mask on. Here's the deal. Satan's plan is to get you to go into hiding. You're follow, falling right into the tactic of the enemy because sin grows in secret. Lies grow in the darkness. It's like when, when kids, kids do it. Let's be honest, parents, sometimes we do too. But when they're caught in that thing, a lot of kids will immediately go and put that blanket over their head as if we don't see them, right? Uh, yeah, there's a big lump under that. I clearly know where you're at. But it's this shame, this overwhelming shame. And I know many of you, us, have felt that. If I just go into hiding, do you see the tactic of the enemy with this very deadly lie that you're worthless? That is what he's, he, he does now, and it's effective. It's what he did at the beginning. He doesn't have to change it because it's effective He'll tell you, you're the only one who ever dealt with that. You're the worst. You're nothing. That is the lie of the enemy. And if he can get you into hiding, the lies will just grow and grow. And he'll trap you and keep you down and put a lid on it. These lies will destroy you if you don't recognize really what they are. And you're sitting there going, and I see heads nodding and going, yeah, maybe you've been there, maybe you are there. And you say, I, that's it, I've fallen for the trap. Now what? What do I do with this now? I feel worthless, I feel hopeless. I, I'm stuck in my shame, Pastor Adam. I get what you're saying, but what do we do now? How do I get out of this thing? Here's what we see in the next few verses, which I'm gonna read. You don't, he does, and he did. That is the power of our God. Look what happens. Genesis chapter three, verse eight. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man, where are you? 
It's a weird, weird way because you know God knows everything. Where are you, Adam, Eve? Where are you? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Look at what happens in this. God begins the process of breaking the lie. What do we see here? Number one is this. What does God do? Here, first and foremost, and most, one of the most powerful statements you're going to hear, God shows up in our shame. Okay, let me say that again, because I think somebody here needs to hear this. God shows up in our shame. God, God knows what Adam and Eve did. They can't hide it. In theological terms, we call it omniscient. God knows, God knows it. The enemy's gonna tell you, you hide it, hide it from God, hide it from everybody. God knows and he sees. If that doesn't expose something in us, then we need to understand that truth. Because God still shows up in the midst of their shame and, and now what they see is nakedness and their brokenness. God shows up. And the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve heard God's footsteps and went into hiding. I mean, this implies that God walking with them in the cool evening happened several times, happened a lot. Now, now recognizing God's, voice, God's footsteps, isn't that interesting? Like, you, you wonder if I mean, when God walks through the garden, is it like, boom, I am God? Or was it just soft and, Adam, where are you? He asked these questions, Adam, where are you? The miracle here is that even in their sin and shame, God still shows up to walk with them because God starts the process of healing, not you. God still shows up. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, catch that, underline the we, put in an I, while I was still a sinner, he sent his son. Christ died for us. Church, you need to come to grips with that right there. Right there. In our sin. We, we think we gotta get cleaned up. We gotta do something first before we can walk in the church, before we can, can, can go up to Jesus. Listen, God shows an example right here that he showed up in there that while they were still sinners. So God begins the process. Wow! He loves you that much. That's how I know you're not worthless. He shows up and, and he shows up in their, in their sin. And, then, and the next thing he does, he does a two-part thing. He exposes the lie and he exposes the liar. Look, look what happens. He shows up and says, Adam, where are you? As if he didn't know. And what does Adam do? At some point, in some way, the Bible doesn't tell us we have to draw the lines. Adam steps out of hiding and says, I'm sorry, I messed up, I've sinned, I'm naked, I, so I hid as I know you're God and you're perfect and you're all powerful, so, and I'm useless and worthless and hopeless and, and of no value to you, so I hid. Adam's response tells me that in that moment God shows up, he's revealing the lie as a lie. What Adam does in that moment when he steps up is what we call confession. God, I'm naked. I messed up. 
Confession is powerful. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's what I know. Healing comes on the heels of confession. There's, there's punishment for our sin. We have all sinned. The wages of sin is death. But when we stand before God who shows up in our sin and shame and say, God, it was me. I'm naked. I got nothing. The first step to healing is that, that word confession because in that moment, the lie is being exposed. The lie is being exposed. What else does he do? He not only exposes the lie, he exposes the liar. And I love this moment. This is the God mic drop moment. <laughs> he says my favorite sentence in almost all of scripture. Who told you that? Who told you you were naked? This one sentence is the exposure of who the lie came from, the originator of the lie. Who told you that? Who told you that? Listen, you need to catch this as well. Satan only speaks lies. The Bible tells us in John 8, that when Satan speaks, he lies. Lying is his native language, for he is a liar and the what? Father of lies. Now, lies come to us through many things. Maybe it's, it's comparison. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's what somebody said to you. Lies come to you in many different ways, but there is one source and one father of that lie, and his name is Satan. He wants to destroy you. And God makes it very, very evident that that's where it came from. Here's why this is so important. Because if you believe that you made up that lie, you will also naturally believe that you are the one to come up with the truth to save yourself. But if we understand who the father of lies is, we understand there's the father of truth. And he is our only hope. His name is Jesus Christ. Satan is exposed in that moment. And the Bible tells us in John 8, 32, that you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. The truth will set you free. The only way to defeat a lie is to expose it to the truth. And the great news is this. When we look to God, the lies and the liar is exposed. Because it can't stand in the light of truth. God shows up in our shame. He exposes the lie. He exposes the liar. And third and finally, God provides a covering for our shame. Skip down a few verses. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21 says this. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and Eve and his wife. What did God just do in that one scripture? He provided a covering that they were trying to do on their own but was never going to be enough. God provided through sacrifice a covering. Now in this case, in, in Genesis 3, it's a temporary covering. But you better believe that this was a, 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 a foreshadowing of what was to come. That sacrifice of those animals that God provided was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ on the cross for you and I. Listen, you can't cover your sin. There's not enough blankets in the world to cover your shame. There's not enough hiding spots. The only way to cover your shame is to let Jesus Christ be the covering. You want to break the lie of worthlessness, you have to let the truth in. And the truth be your cover. The Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. 
For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right through with God through Jesus Christ. That's the healing and covering for the lie that we believe we acted on and we were hiding from. Here's what I know. So many people are handicapped, are kept down, are being destroyed by the lie that you're worthless. Church, I know we've all come in this place with so many different hurts and pains. There's so much abuse in our world, it breaks my heart. And in that abuse, the enemy shows up and looks at you and says, yeah, well, you're worthless. Those people did that to you because you're worthless. You watched that, you went there because you're worthless. But church, here's what I know. God shows up in the midst of that pain and brokenness exposes the lie, exposes the liar, and says, I got covering for you. God looks at you and says, I want to give my son because you're that valuable. You are that valuable. Look at these strategies together. Look at the strategy of the enemy and what God does. Nothing could be more polar opposite than these two things. The enemy, the father of all lies, is exactly the opposite. He, he speaks a lie, we believe and act on the lie, and then he imprisons us in that lie with shame and worthlessness. What does God do? The exact opposite. God is the truth. We believe the truth, we have to accept the truth, and then that truth then sets us free. That is the power of God to break this lie. You have value. How do I know? Because my Bible tells me over and over how loved I am. My question to you is this, whose voice are you listening to? Church, those watching online, it's time to come out of hiding. I know it's painful and I know there's, a, there's shame that you're like, but if, if they saw, listen, that confession and saying, God, cover is powerful. How do I know that you have value? John 3.16 tells me that for God so loved the world that he gave his son. God so loved you that he was willing to do whatever it took to bring you to healing as we confess and believe. How do I know that we're forgiven? How do I know that we're loved? Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I need to read that again because maybe you missed it. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There is therefore now no condemnation when you have that moment of confession and you realize the truth and your eyes go to the truth, the enemy now will try to go, no, but you're worthless, but you don't even know. And you, your response needs to be, I know I messed up, but I serve a God who can cover that. And when the lie of Satan comes to condemn you, you need to remind that lie who came to die for you. We don't do this on our own power, it is through Jesus Christ. 
That is the good news. Maybe you came in with a weight of the world on you. Can I tell you the good news is this? There's hope because Jesus loves you. You need to understand the lie that I am worthless is just that, a lie. And let that be exposed to the truth of God. Some of you need to read that Romans 8 scripture over and over and over and over and over until you actually believe it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remind yourself that. And the lie that I'm worthless will begin to break. Jesus came to die for you and I. Just like God provided the covering of those animal skins for the shame of Adam and Eve, Jesus came to die and provide a covering for you. As you came in today, maybe you received communion element, maybe you didn't, our ushers are coming down now, just flag one of them down. Because we're gonna close this message by taking a moment and reflecting on the act of Jesus Christ on the cross. In that cup, there's some bread. If you want to just start prepare that now. You got bread and juice. Here's, church, listen, as you open that. I know there's a lot of commotion and movement, but, but please hear me. As I was preparing this message, my heart was breaking for so many who are stuck in this lie. And when I read that God provided the animal skins for Adam and Eve, I knew that we needed to take a moment to receive communion together because you need to be reminded how far Jesus went for you. And listen, when I say you, nobody in this room watching online or watching anywhere, we don't, do not believe that you're an exception because you're not. He came for you. My prayer and my belief is this, that when we receive these elements, and I'll lead you in a moment, that when we receive these elements, somebody watching this or listening or in this room will begin the path to freedom. We'll understand I'm not worthless anymore. If you have that communion bread, would you just hold it up? In 1 Corinthians 11, the Bible tells us that Jesus was with his disciples and he broke the bread and said, this is my, my body It was broken for you. You may have walked in here and thought God's going to strike me dead, but can I tell you, no, he's not. <laughs> he wants you to understand the truth. Now there's confession. We got to understand and own, own up to what we've done. But he says, my body was broken for you. Would you hold that in your hand? I'm going to pray and we're going to receive it together. Lord, set us free from the lie of the enemy. Thank you for your body that was broken for me. In Jesus' name, let's receive that together. The Bible tells us in the same night, he took the cup and he passed it around and said, this is my blood that was spilt for you. No one's an exception. Don't you be listening to that lie right now. My blood that was spilt for you. 
because the blood covers our sin and forgives us. It's the covering, the freedom from shame, the freedom from guilt, the freedom from the lie of the enemy. He said, this is my blood given for your freedom. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as we receive this cup together, it's juice, but it represents something very powerful. I pray that as we receive this together, you would bring freedom from the lie. I pray that as we receive this together, the lies of the enemy would cease in Jesus' name. We receive this together in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray. And then the worship team or your host online will close. Lord, thank you for buying our freedom. Thank you for covering our shame. Jesus, we come against the lies of the enemy that is meant to destroy, that instead it would bring life. Thank you in Jesus' name. stand with me the worship team's going to lead us in a closing song as they do can I invite the prayer team to come down maybe you came today and this stuff is hitting home and it's real do listen to me do not leave without having somebody pray with you because there's power in prayer maybe you want to receive Jesus Christ as your savior come down talk to one of these down here they'll lead you in prayer of salvation you are not worthless. God looks at you and you have great value. Let's take a moment and respond.